Welcome to the Speaks Podcast, your home for exploring current events through a biblical lens. My name is Michael Abbott Jr. Thank you so much for tuning into my program tonight. As you know, it represents one ordinary man's search for wisdom in an increasingly postmodern culture. I'm recording this just one week following the most significant natural disaster of calendar year 2017. There are many lessons that we can learn from this storm, but I'd like to journey down the road less traveled as we conduct our discussion tonight. The inspiration for today's podcast is brought to you in part by progressivism. Trust us, we're not a religion. And of course, the loyal interest of dedicated listeners like you. I've entitled today's program, Can a Case of Water Really Be Worth $99? Your 10-minute road to wisdom begins right now. Hurricane Harvey was the first major hurricane to make landfall in 12 years, and its impact has been devastating. Initial estimates suggest roughly $70 billion worth of property damage, making it the third costliest Atlantic hurricane in recorded history. For obvious reasons, relief efforts, fundraising, volunteer work, and other various methods of assistance have been a desire on everybody's heart as we seek to help our neighbors manage their way through this crisis. In the midst of all of these noble and virtuous efforts, the Consumer Protection Division of the Texas Attorney General's Office said just last week that it had received more than 500 complaints of price gouging. Some consumers reported gasoline selling for as high as $20 a gallon and cases of bottled water selling for as high as $99 a case during the height of the storm. Could there be anything, anything more unethical or unprincipled as capitalizing upon a natural disaster? Not so fast. Things are not always as they seem. Anyone who has read The Wealth of Nations by Adam Smith understands the concept of the invisible hand. This term refers to the unobservable market force that helps the demand and supply of goods automatically maintain balance and equilibrium in the midst of dynamically changing outside variables. There's a very valid reason why the prices of essential consumer goods skyrocket during times of calamity, but it has little to do with immoral capitalistic greed. Are there instances in which this greed is on display? Well, sure, of course. But these are the exception, not the rule. Here is the overlooked reason why prices had to skyrocket in Houston in the midst of Hurricane Harvey. The market price of these goods must account for human nature. Human nature is prone to hoarding during times of crisis. Man's human nature seeks the preservation of the self at the expense of the entire community when backed up against the proverbial wall. This is what we call the survival instinct. So let's assume that prices remained unchanged during the onset of the storm. What would happen to the scarce supply of water in this scenario? Just think about the water, not the people, the physical bottles of water. If these resources remained available for market prices before the onset of the storm, one or two people would come in, completely clean out the store, and stockpile this water on their personal shelves in case of an emergency. In other words, a small amount of consumers would effectively function as stock boys, transferring a substantial amount of bottled water from the large number of shelves of a local business to the small number of shelves inside of their respective personal residences. 
The end result of this scenario is that the scarce water supply will not be consumed by anyone. They won't be consumed by the individuals who need it most because they're no longer on the store shelves. And similarly, they will not be consumed by the individuals making the purchase since they're only being acquired as part of a larger contingency plan. These bottles will remain unopened. During the height of the storm, pricing models that many point to as evidence of gouging actually ensure that supply remains available to meet demand. Forgive the economic technical speak here, but if businesses did not raise their prices to address the dynamics of an environmental crisis, then we would actually be promoting the most inefficient allocation of resources during a time in which consumers are experiencing their greatest need. And here's the problematic truth of the matter. The price of these essential goods must necessarily rise to a level that prevents preemptive, panic-inspired hoarding. The job of the free market during a time of crisis is to price consumer goods at an amount that is sufficiently high to discourage the human tendency to hoard. That's the price at which the market dictates that hoarding will no longer occur. If bottled water rises to that price, people are no longer going to store and stockpile the reserves that could be consumed by other people. So here's the crash course in economics that's being taught by Hurricane Harvey. When businesses abandon the free market during times of hardship, economic resources become substantially scarcer. Now the economics enthusiast already knows that because this statement includes a piece of redundant or superfluous information. We don't need the phrase during times of hardship. The sentence should simply read, when businesses abandon the free market, resources become substantially scarcer. Thankfully, while the storm was indeed fierce, its duration was relatively short. What went curiously underreported was just how quickly those $20 gallon gasoline and $99 cases of bottled water fell in the midst of the aftermath of the storm. Within a day, these prices were cut in half. Now that they are back to standard market pricing, these resources are once again available to all. Here's another curious piece of information. These same people that are so quick to allege how cold-hearted these businesses are to abide by the scandalous principles of the free market have no problem then turning a blind eye to the natural open market tendency of immediate self-correction. Today, less than one week following this devastating storm, Houston area merchants are offering cases of bottled water for under $5 and gasoline at under $3 a gallon. The open market has self-corrected to once again provide resources to the community at favorable pricing terms. As an aside, if we truly wanted to apply a label of callousness to the walls of every business using a sweeping paintbrush, then how do we explain the absence of an industry-wide price-fixing effort? If businesses were so greedy, that's what they would be doing. They'd be fixing prices. Now, this may be hard to digest, but city officials and their supporters who flagrantly cry foul using these unsubstantiated allegations of, quote, gouging, are merely placing their economic illiteracy on full display for the entire world to see. Though they do not realize it, these individuals are actively promoting, promoting a greater scarcity of resources when their residents and neighbors have fallen upon the hardest of times. If you restrict the natural market tendency of prices to increase, you are promoting an environment that fosters scarcity. And not just scarcity, the lack of consumption of the most desperately needed resources. 
Let me close with the case in point using one of the most vocally self-righteous Pharisees in modern American culture, Governor Chris Christie. When Hurricane Sandy struck New Jersey in late 2012, Governor Christie explained that, quote, New Jersey has a tough price gouging law to ensure that profiteers will not take unfair advantage of people at their most vulnerable. Those who have been displaced from their homes have limited resources and are seeking fuel, shelter, and the basic necessities of life, end quote. Christie went on to explain that, quote, businesses operating in New Jersey will obey our laws or face significant penalties, end quote. Chris Christie's an economic illiterate, and this position is one small example of how his misunderstanding of basic economics helped worsen the recovery for many of his constituents during the wake of Hurricane Sandy. To understand the bigger picture, just look at the fiscal health of the state. Based on the financial statements from all 50 states, New Jersey ranked dead last in terms of fiscal health, according to a George Mason University study that ranks the states by their financial condition. Again, this is the perspective and opinion of the governor of the worst financial state in the country. Furthermore, in March of 2017, Moody's downgraded New Jersey's credit rating for the 11th time during Christie's tenure as a governor. If you do not possess a basic understanding of economics, it's one thing to obliterate your own personal financial situation, but self-righteously clamoring that you're helping people while you're preventing their access to resources during a crisis? That takes the definition of ignorance to a whole new level. We need to move to a place in our culture where we don't have this knee-jerk reaction of accusing people of the worst of intentions. These businesses aren't out to take advantage of customers. You have to understand the natural market forces behind these events. They're actually providing an environment where resources are available. Now, granted, no one wants to pay $99 for a case of bottled water, but that price ensures that those goods are available to these people. Would you rather have a small number of people hoarding and never consuming these resources than actually having the open market have higher prices than usual during periods of economic crisis? I guess that's the question that's on the table. Personally, I think the right perspective is to ensure that these resources remain on the shelves when human beings are experiencing their greatest need. Well, that is going to be all the time we have to spend together this week. If you are new to the program, you'll notice it is a very short podcast, and it's intentionally so. This is, again, one man's search for wisdom in a postmodern culture, and after exhaustively searching for wisdom over the course of an entire week, I'm typically only able to bring you 10 minutes of content and I am filtering out all of the garbage. I'm just trying to give you some quality content that makes you think and challenges your mind, stuff you're not going to hear anywhere else. That is my goal. There's a number of ways in which you can support the program, but I'd like to just ask you to do one thing for me today. I just learned that if you have five reviews of a podcast, you're actually rated by Apple. And right now I am sitting at four as of the date of this podcast. So if you would be so kind as to hop onto iTunes or the podcast app or however you listen to the program and just submit a quick review. It doesn't have to be much, nothing more than 50 words and a simple title. And just let people know what the program is like and, and, and share a recommendation because I think it would really help them. Uh, as always, visit my website, abbottspeaks.com, my Facebook handle, at abbottspeaks. I'd love to engage with you. And in the meantime, be bold with your faith, strong with your convictions, and courageous in the workplace.